The following sermon is from the Associate Pastor of Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church, Stan Johnson. Sunday, April 5th, 2020. Right, Father, I thank you for your servant, Pastor Stan, and all of the ways that he serves me, serves his family, and serves our church so faithfully. And thank you for the opportunity you've given him now to read and proclaim your word. And so, God, give us hearts and minds ready to receive it and be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm glad you can join us, and I want to say we all miss you, and we love you as well. Uh, It's my privilege as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be able to proclaim to you the good news of his gospel. And we're going to do that today by turning in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. So if you have your Bible handy, and I hope you do, I'd like you to turn there with me. We're going to look at the first 11 verses of this chapter. I don't know about you, but the more things are changing, the more thankful I am for this week's memory verse being reminded that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's certainly good news for us because no matter how many other things change and keep on changing, our Jesus is always the same. And for that reason, friends, we should always be attentive to what the Word of God says about the Son of God and how the Spirit of God wants to use this truth to transform the way we live and love and think for as many days and years as God grants us life. Uh, This morning, of course, is Palm Sunday. It's a day we usually have kids coming into the sanctuary and waving their palm branches and singing. And and since we can't actually do that today, uh, we can be encouraged in this. As, As Pastor mentioned earlier, we're joining with millions of others of Christians around the world and in ages past who are worshiping Jesus, uh, many online this morning. Not on our channel, but other channels and streams throughout the world. So as is our custom, if you got your Bible, and as you're able, I invite you to stand with me as together we read from the Word of God. Matthew 21 again, beginning at verse number 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth 
of Galilee. Well, if you did happen to stand with me, I'm going to invite you now to be seated. By the way, uh, other weeks we've told you we want to take you to take a picture of whoever is worshiping with you this morning or whatever time of day it is and post it on your Facebook page or on your Instagram page. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you're watching this morning it's because you love Jesus and you're encouraged by what you learn about him in his word and you want to gain all the blessings that we can as blood-bought, born-again followers of Jesus Christ. And why not let your friends know about it? So take a picture today and post it online. Until this day we're reading about this morning, when Jesus made his grand entrance into Jerusalem, our Savior had pretty much always kept a low profile. Instead of publicizing his ministry, Jesus focused on fulfilling each step of God the Father's unfolding plan of redemption, a plan our Savior knew would eventually lead to the cross, where he laid down his life. And as Pastor Jeremy showed us last Sunday, paid for our sins with his own precious blood, and in the process provided the one and only way for any one of us to have our sins forgiven and be declared fit for heaven. Praise God. Well, this morning's message has been divided into two parts. In the first section, we're going to look at some of the arrangements Jesus made at the beginning of Palm Sunday. And then in the second half, we'll look at the events that surrounded his arrival into the holy city. Uh, Lord willing, anyway, that's where we're going to go between now and the end of my message. So uh, I'm going to ask you just for a moment if you can pause with me and pray for me even as I pray together with you. And and Lord, I, I am grateful for this opportunity to meet with our church family online and be encouraged in this truth. God, I, I pray that you would settle our hearts and our minds on what you want us to hear this morning, this afternoon, wherever it is that you're having us listen, and that we would be focused on you, that we put aside the distractions of this past week and hear from you. And, and Lord, I pray that for myself as well. Help me quiet my heart before you that I can communicate the words that you want us to hear today for the praise of your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, someone with a whole lot more time on their hands than I have did some research. They got out their Bible and they studied Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they wanted to determine just exactly how much of each gospel was devoted to this last week of the Savior's life. I think we got it on the screen there. You can see all four of them have devoted at least 25% or one of every four chapters in the gospel to this one particular week, which should cause us to ask the question, why? Why? Well, this is key. In God's divine counsel, this one week had been looked forward to, in fact, had been determined from eternity past. And as Jesus made his way to the cross, God the Father would demonstrate to the world his gracious and merciful love, as well as his perfectly righteous judgment, something that could only be possible through the innocent suffering and death of his son. For as the word of God says, the Father has sent his son to be the Savior of the world. So I'm going to invite you to join with me in paying close attention to what we learn about Jesus and his intentions for us in these 11 verses. In the first section of the passage, again, we read of the arrangements that Jesus made 
on this day we refer to as Palm Sunday. Verse 1 says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, which was a tiny little town just a mile or two outside the city limits of the holy city, Jesus sent two of his disciples. And and he said to these disciples, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Well, one of the first things we notice in this passage is that Jesus sent two disciples on this mission. Why? Well, we don't exactly know. The text doesn't say, but he had done the same thing before. He had sent out his disciples two by two. And as you think about that, we can perhaps also consider these words from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, which again we have on the screen next to me. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Two are better than one. And that makes sense. And what did Jesus tell these two men they'd see as soon as they entered the village? Verse 2 says, a donkey, a donkey tied in a colt with her. Well, how did Jesus know that? Jesus knew that because he is fully God and fully man. As God, he is and was omniscient. He knew all things and knows all things. Remember, Jesus never changes. And that truth, again, should be incredibly encouraging for us. As uncertain as we might be about this coming week's events and what even could happen tomorrow, our Jesus already knows. This week in our devotions, my wife Chris and I were reminded that that God is too wise to ever make a mistake and too loving to ever do anything unkind. And he is that way again yesterday and today and forever. Amen. As Jesus made these arrangements for his grand entrance into the holy city, he demonstrated to his disciples something incredible. He could see a different place and a different time, just as clearly and completely as you and I can describe what's going on in our living rooms today. Jesus, being God, is not only omniscient, he's also sovereign. And as his name Lord implies, he's in charge. If he needs a donkey, he knows exactly where he can find it. And though the disciples didn't understand all this at the time, Jesus was initiating a series of events that would both fulfill prophecy and lead to him being hailed as Israel's long-awaited Messiah. Okay, now, end of verse 2. Jesus says, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he'll send them at once. Again, Jesus could say that with 100% certainty because he is God As God the Son, Jesus not only knew the response that these colts' owners would have, he had, in fact, ordained it. Let's look at what verse 4 says. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey. You know, these verses today help us make sense of our Savior's request. And and verse 5, in fact, contains just one of more than a hundred Old Testament prophecies Jesus fulfilled in his first coming. But I think we also need to understand that these words, which are quoted from Zechariah 9, verse 9, were not included in the instructions 
that Jesus gave his disciples. Matthew added them when he wrote this gospel to help us to understand exactly why Jesus sent his disciples on this mission. So why is this good news for us? Why? It's because we can be reminded that God has a plan that will be fulfilled. He is in control of each detail and knows the exact outcome. And yet he invites ordinary people like us to enter into those plans by believing and by obeying his word. Even when we're unable to see or completely understand what he's doing and why he's doing it. In other words, Jesus wants us to live by faith, which means we're simply willing to take him at his word. Just before this whole pandemic took off, my son and his wife and their three little kids went on a long plan for vacation to Kentucky. They wanted to visit the Creation Museum and the life-size replica of Noah's Ark. Uh, We've never been there, but Chris and I want to go sometime, and and we're both thinking when this whole thing settles down, how great it would be to take a group of us from church out to the Creation Museum. Well, when Tony and Emily got back from their vacation, Emily posted these words on her Facebook page. She wrote, God didn't call me to build an ark and manage thousands of animals with only seven other people for over a year, And he didn't call me to literally be the restart of humanity. But he has called me to be a part of his plan wherever I am in history, in the world, or my community. And then Emily finished her post with these words. Thankful that whatever he, and that's God, he with a capital H, whatever he calls us to, he will lead us. Do you believe that? I do, and it fills my heart with praise. Wherever God calls us to, he will lead us through. You know, just because right now we're living in a time of social distancing doesn't mean that we can take a vacation from being the church, from loving God and loving our neighbors. Our leadership team hasn't and won't ever call a special meeting to amend our mission statement. No, it is today what it always has been to know Christ and to make him known. Sure, it's maybe going to take more creativity and perhaps even a little bit more courage than before, uh, but God wants us to be faithful in doing the work that he's called us and gifted us and equipped us to do. I'm going to have you hold your spot here just for a moment in in Matthew 21 and turn a couple pages to Matthew 25, uh, beginning at verse 34. Jesus says some pretty remarkable things to those who will inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus makes it clear in this passage that our beliefs are going to be demonstrated in our behavior. And I'm just going to read a few verses starting at verse 34 of Matthew 25. Jesus says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, 
Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. This week, uh, those of you who are on our church's email list are going to be getting a list of helpful ways that we can do what Jesus has called us to do, where we can love him by loving others. And we're going to be interested in hearing how you put some of these ideas into practice and perhaps uh, we'll give you an opportunity to share them with the church on a future Sunday. Again, Jesus Christ never changes. In fact, he can't. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's fully worthy of our trust and obedience. No matter what it is, he asks us to do. (laughs) Even those things we sometimes don't quite understand or are unsure we can even do that. Uh, as the refrain of a famous old hymn tells us, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Did I say that right? Yeah. I wish I could sing it to you. (laughs) Our God is so good and he simply wants us to trust him and believe him. Okay, back to Matthew 21. How did the disciples respond to our Savior's instructions? The very same way he wants you and me to respond to his word today. Verse 6 says, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. This week I spent a lot of time in this very room praying for you, walking up and down these rows and just picturing where you sit with your family and and, um, just so thankful for for how you're living out your life, your faith on this side of eternity. And I was just asking God how great it would be if our entire church family could be known as people, as men and women, young people, who not only hear your words, but put them into practice. Oh, praise God. So Jesus made some very specific arrangements. He wanted to get ready for Palm Sunday. Now, second half of the passage. Jesus describes, or Matthew describes, our king's arrival into the holy city. Verse 7 here. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Okay? A long time ago, I took some reporting courses in college, and and we had it drummed into our heads over and over and over again. If you want to write a thorough, accurate, useful story, you had to answer five basic questions. Uh, Do you know what they are? Yeah, pretty easy. Who, what, where, when, and why. We're going to cover that, those five questions, as we look at the second half of this morning's lesson. The who of the story, of course, that's Jesus. The what? Well, he's riding into town on a donkey. Where? Specifically on the road to Jerusalem, the main drag between Bethpage and the holy city. When? Well, it's the Sunday before Passover. Passover is one of three religious festivals every Jewish male was required to attend. So on Palm Sunday, that road would have been filled to overflowing, not with just a few dozen or even several hundred religious pilgrims, but literally thousands upon thousands of men and women and young people who, like Jesus, were traveling to 
Jerusalem for the Passover. If you can imagine this scene in your mind's eye, you can probably agree that the Romans considered it pretty humorous. Whenever their national leaders made an official visit to a city, there would be all sorts of pomp and circumstances. There would be stallions and chariots and soldiers carrying their shields and swords, but it wasn't that way for Jesus. Not on this day. Instead of being accompanied by bodyguards or the most powerful religious leaders of his day, our Jesus entered the city accompanied by thousands upon thousands of unnamed nobodies, basically ordinary people like you and like me. So we've already answered the first four questions, who, what, where, and when. Now we've got to spend some time answering this question, why? And a couple reasons. For one, by riding into town on that borrowed donkey, Jesus was demonstrating his humility. Uh, Matthew 20, verse 28 says, He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That was part of it. He's a humble servant king. And secondly, by fulfilling the prophecy that Zechariah had penned more than 500 years before, Jesus was making an important announcement. As he entered Jerusalem, everyone who would hear about the events of this special day would know their long-awaited Messiah had come. According to Matthew, it didn't take long for others on the road that day to figure it out. Verse 8 says, Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Uh, those of you who made a palm branch at home this week, why don't you get it out and wave it along with me, okay? Again, this is a part of the Sunday morning service we can't do together, but we can do with you in your home. Uh, by the way, this beautiful custom-made palm, uh, Pastor Jeremy and Kirsten's daughter Mariah custom-made it just for me. So thank you very much, Mariah. The crowd, again, was waving their palms, was proclaiming Jesus. The palms were symbols of both national and religious pride for the Jewish people. Uh, they wanted to celebrate Jesus, their long-awaited Messiah, and so they publicly voiced their appreciation. Verse 9, the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! I'm thinking a lot of you already know this word Hosanna literally means save now. Unfortunately, the crowd didn't understand their Messiah's mission, that he had come to save his people from their sins. The crowds instead were shouting that day for Jesus to liberate them from Roman rule and restore their nation to its former glory. They wanted a savior. Yes, that's true. And they were willing to acknowledge Jesus as king, but only on their terms, not on his. You know, in many ways, that sounds like how our world and sometimes even those of us in our church or churches around the world are choosing to see and respond to Jesus today. Based on what we've heard on the news, it sounds like our nation is about to enter the most difficult days of this pandemic. And as a result, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more prayer going on in our country each day of this coming week than there was on a typical day a year ago. In fact, Google has announced searches for prayer on their site have been skyrocketing. 
But it makes me wonder, what are we praying for? I know I'm sometimes guilty of praying more about the safety of my family and my friends during this pandemic than I am in asking God to help us again, both understand and fulfill the plan and purpose he has for us in these days. And and I need to often be reminded that when Jesus asked us to take up our cross and follow him, it would often include hardship and suffering. And for many believers throughout the centuries, even death. And by the way, unless Jesus comes first, every one of us who are listening to this service today is going to have a funeral. But it won't be until the day that God has ordained. When we forget our Savior's calling on our lives and decide to come to him on our terms, sadly, we probably sound a lot like the people in the crowd that day calling on Jesus to hit the reset button and once again make our lives and our nation comfortable and secure. But as this book continually reminds us, the perfect and righteous God who sent his son to save us from our sins is far more concerned with our personal holiness than our happiness. We live, I'm convinced, in the greatest nation on earth, and yet our blessings and our freedoms and our affluence have often dulled and distracted us from our devotion to Jesus Christ. And I'm believing that our Savior is going to use these difficult days to purify and strengthen his church. Perhaps he will even have us join a growing movement of believers around the world who are praying for revival. What do our prayers sound like in God's ears? Are we truly men and women and young people who are seeking his face? Verse 10 says, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. And that word stirred is is kind of like agitated, almost like an earthquake. The whole city was stirred. People were asking, "Who who is this? And the crowds responded by saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. That's also important for us to hear. You know, it's pretty easy to use the right words when we talk about Jesus without actually recognizing him or acknowledging his authority. Most everyone in this crowd who were so quick to lift their voices in praise to the son of David would less than a week later be calling for his death. You see, on Palm Sunday, they got caught up, caught up in the enthusiasm and excitement of the crowd. They focused on what Jesus could do for their nation, but they didn't come close to placing their faith in the only one who would and could willingly die to save them from their sins. A few weeks back, Chris and I watched a a movie. It was difficult to watch, but I'm glad we did. It was based on the life of Richard Wormbrand. It was called Tortured for Christ. In his years living under the rule of the Communist Party in Romania, Richard said the the suffering and the persecution that he and his fellow Christians constantly endured helped them learn something very important. Whether they believed or if instead they only believed that they believed. You see, there's a big difference between the two. Whether you truly believe or only believe that you believe. In God's economy, we need to remind ourselves that trials often come to test our faith. 
So those of us who turn from our sins and place our faith in Jesus, we shouldn't be running from these trials or seeking to avoid them, but rather embrace them. Instead of just asking God to keep us safe, perhaps our prayers ought to sound more and more like the Christians we read about a few Sundays ago in the book of Acts, who instead of asking God to keep them safe from those who wish them harm, called out to the Lord to help them speak his word boldly. Oh, that our prayers would mirror the prayers of those who were first to believe in Jesus Christ, that with one voice and one heart we could boldly confess we truly believe. Let's pray. Father, as we bow before you, we're so grateful for what we learn about your son what we're reminded about your son in this passage. And in this week's memory verse as well, that Jesus, you are the same yesterday and today and forever. And though this world is changing, you don't. Father God, your plan and your purpose are going to prevail. Jesus, you're in control of each detail and know the exact outcome. And yet you invite ordinary people like us to enter into those plans by by believing and by obeying your word even when we're unable to see or completely understand what you're doing and why you're doing it so today we say lord use us to further the work of your church and to expand the influence of your kingdom father grant us favor as you show us, how you want us to share the good news with those who don't yet know your son. For many of us, that includes our, our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends, and, and even our families. Help us, Lord, to humbly take up our cross and follow you into this week's trials and opportunities. Trials and opportunities that you mean for our good and ultimately your glory. Reminding us that you are with us wherever we go and none of your promises have ever failed. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church. More information about our church can be found on our website at www.ifefree.org. We hope you can join us again next week as we reflect on the resurrection of our Lord Jesus.